That's Herb Albert. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. On this edition of Fangraphs Audio, my guest is Chris Swick, C-W-I-K Swick. The attentive listener will recognize Mr. Swick's name from the electronic pages of Fangraphs. If I'm lying to you, I'll tell you that in what follows, Mr. Swick and I discuss the Miami Marlins and their free agent spending power, frequent topic of conversation on the podcast this week. However, if I uh, were to tell you the truth, I'd say that mostly what we discuss in this episode of the podcast is where people live in Washington, D.C., and what they do there, and additionally, uh, the rather sensitive subject of my recent weight gain, uh, almost all due to the lipid-rich food of Wisconsin. If you care to contact the podcast, as always, you can reach out to at Sestouli on Twitter. That's at C-I-S-T-U-L-L-I. And without absolutely any more delay, here is my conversation with Fangraph's Chris Swick. Hello. Hello, Chris Swick. Carson, how are you? Am I pronouncing that correctly, Chris Swick? You are. Chris Swick, you are... I just want to get a mental picture, perhaps not too vivid, but vivid enough. You are in Washington, D.C. right now? That is correct. But if uh, memory serves, you are actually about not to be in Washington, uh, D.C. Is that also right? That is also correct. What are you doing? Uh, I'm going home for the weekend to Chicago. I should mention this is Chris Swick, contributor to Fangraphs and Man of Secrecy in other walks of life. True. Uh, but uh, Washington, D.C. resident, we know that. and uh, That is correct. Man and jet setter, we can conclude that. Uh, it's, a, it's a limited sample size, but for now we'll say jet setter. That's very kind of you. Yeah. So what's the deal? You're from Chicago. Is that a thing? That is a, that's a true story. That's a thing. Yeah. And um, I went to school in Milwaukee. And Marquette. And, yes, exactly. And now I've found my way out to D.C. somehow. Right, doing uh, secret projects. Yes, top secret. The government may be involved. We don't know. We don't know. I, I maybe, even, maybe even you don't know. Right, yeah, I have no idea, actually, what I do or who I work for. Right. The one thing you do know is that you periodically contribute to Fangraphs. That does happen. So you grew up in Chicago. We said that? Yes. You're a Cubs fan? I'm a White Sox fan. You're a White Sox fan. Okay. Yeah, and times are a little, a little rough right now. For the White Sox, they had a rough year. Although, even really into the last month of the season, uh, they weren't entirely out of it. No, it's true. At the same time, though, now with with the Cubs, they, I mean, their franchise has been in a pretty bad state. But now with the Theo Epstein signing, it's kind of it's been kind of weird to hear all the optimism from the North Side. Hey, can I ask you? So, so that's Chicago. Very briefly, uh, people know about Chicago. Here's here's the thing I don't know too much about is Washington D.C. and what people sure. do there. Uh, if they're not involved in government work, which, again, we don't necessarily know. We don't know if you are or n- are not involved in government work. <laughs> However, where do like where does a person live? Where, where do you live, for example? I don't need your exact street address. Uh, just we, a general uh, idea of where people live there. Sure. A lot of people, if you're not a government employee, or even if you are for the most part, um, you're living in Virginia or Maryland. So I currently live in Virginia and commute to D.C. every day. And is it Arlington or something along those lines? Uh, well, as as you know, uh, the Dark Overlord, he lives in Arlington. I know that for a fact, yeah. Yes, and I live in Alexandria, which is pretty close. Pretty close to it. Yeah, I stayed um, 
sort of, I don't even know if I'm really allowed to say this, but I know, but I, I'm going to say it. David Appleman, uh, as you mentioned, the Dark Overlord Fangraphs, was married this past spring, uh, a, a wedding that I attended. Married to a human woman, I can confirm that. <laughs> and we stayed in like this city, Tyson's Corner, or it was like a weird mall city. Yeah, Tyson's Corner, okay. I'm somewhat familiar with it. It's just reserved for malls and hotels, it appears. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. So do you live in a walking neighborhood, then? Can you uh, can you walk to the store, etc.? Unfortunately, to- no. I mean, that's the one thing I miss about living in Milwaukee, especially, is that I, I was within walking distance everything, and now it's kind of more spread out. Right, so you drive. You're a driver. Take technically, it. I, technically, I don't own a car. So far as the government knows. Right, but I, I get carted around, and I take the metro, the D.C.'s public transportation system, which is which is nice. So you somehow make it to your local uh, metro stop or whatever they call it there. Exactly. And then you get into the city doing yep. your no, doing who knows what. Yeah, right. Who can know? Who right, can know? it's really a mystery. One final thing. This is the uh, dedicated listeners will know. This is the small talk. Yeah, I was going to ask if this was the small talk portion. This is the small talk portion of the show. Just to help us get comfortable with each other, Alan Partridge, fame, uh, famous fictional um, talk show host, Alan Partridge, played by Steve Coogan, might yeah. refer to it as the Knowing Me, Knowing You section of the show. Knowing me, knowing you. Aha! Does that Wonderful. It? Okay, right, fine. All right, we'll, we'll address that later. <laughs> um, and we'll do it. We'll, I'll get some good laughs out of you in post-production. Sure you will. Mm-hmm. One last thing. I, uh, I announced it on Twitter but uh, yesterday. Wednesday. Uh, I recently, um, in fact, yesterday as well, went to see the doctor. Yes. Did you see this uh, this information? Was this about your flu shot? No, that, in fact, that was Monday. So I went to, to get a flu shot on Monday, and then Wednesday I went uh, just for a checkup. And it so happened that they weighed me, and uh, I don't do a lot of that myself. But my first year, it turns out, my first year in Wisconsin, a state in, uh, in which you live for some time, yeah, uh, I gained 13 pounds, which for That's a guy a, yeah. of my of my build is a lot. That's close to 10 percent of my body weight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's not surprising with the beer and the cheese curds. Right. Yeah, and I was curious if you ever had any sort of experience like that. Now you all you are from hardy Midwestern stock anyway. That's true, but um, you know the the freshman 15, as they call it. Um, that that definitely happened to me. I definitely put on some weight my first year in school. Was it a byproduct of of beer, or I mean, what, did you feel like it was more college related or more Wisconsin related? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, it didn't help that at least once a week I had a greasy cheeseburger and cheese curd, so that that probably didn't help. No, those things are tasty though. I know, no one can really deny that. that that's what I'm looking forward to going home for. Get some good eats. How long are you gonna be home? Uh, just for the weekend, and then from, and then yeah, Monday. Okay. Well, uh, say hi to your mom for me. <laughs> you tell her yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, hey, so uh, I think that's pretty good for the small talk portion of the show. We can integrate it in, you know, to to what's about to come up, which is the next part, which is the brass tacks portion of the show. Oh, I like that part. Yeah, brass tacks. I I don't know. That's I just christened it that, but I think that's gonna stay. Um, Cockney, that's Cockney rhyming slang for facts. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, I've heard of it once or twice. You familiar with Cockney rhyming slang? Uh, he, you know, here and there. Okay. He, how about the East End of London? That's usually where, where it's utilized. <laughs> oh, 
Sure, sure. Okay. Where to start? Where to start? You wrote an article today um, that I read multiple times, but for the sake of the listening audience, we'll pretend I didn't, regarding the Marlins, um, the Miami Marlins now. And the Miami Marlins have been in the news the last couple of days because they appear to be meeting with uh, any and everyone. Uh, certainly their name has been linked uh, to a number of free agent uh, free agents on the market. What uh, what can you tell us about them in terms of in terms of who they're looking at and in terms of who they might sign eventually? Well, from all the reports that we're hearing, it looks like they're just considering everybody out there at this point. What I find interesting about the whole thing is that for the first time in at least a long time, the Marlins are actually being talked about as a free agent place to to go. Um, so they, they've been linked to Albert Pujols, they've been linked to Prince Fielder, they haven't met with those guys yet. But obviously, I, I don't think in the past couple of years we've seen them being able to afford these types of players or uh, even being in the conversation with these guys. So that's what kind of interests me the most. And then obviously they met with Mark Burley a few days ago and then Jose Reyes. And they're sending a bunch of sex scouts to see this Cuban guy whose name I can't pronounce. We're going to go with Yoinis Cespedes. We'll, yes. we'll say Cespedes. Yeah, so it's just been interesting to me because that's a team that you don't typically talk about at this point in time, especially with the premier names on the market. Right, and obviously this has something to do, largely to do with the, I guess the projected um, income from from their new ballpark. What do you ultimately see happening in terms of signings? If you just had to make a totally spurious claim uh, regarding those signings, because we know, for example, that they have a shortstop in Hanley Ramirez, right, and that Jose Reyes is a free agent shortstop, probably. You know, one of this kind of, uh, you know, there are like essentially five um, game-changing, we might say, free agents in the market right now. Jose Reyes is one of them. Uh, we talked with Dane on Tuesday, um, and it seems like the most likely outcome from that, where they decide Jose Reyes, would be to move Hanley Ramirez to third. They've also, um, they've also been linked to both the big first-base free agents, Pools and Fielder, but they have two players uh, who could play for a space on their roster. So ultimately, uh, between those players I've just mentioned and others, what do you see as being kind of their needs and the most likely uh, contingencies to unfold during this offseason for them? Well, I think, like you said, Fielder and Pujols, I mean, they have Gabby Sanchez, they have Logan Morrison, who can play first. But, you know, if you sign Fielder or Pujols, you're definitely moving those guys. Um, so I don't know that that's going to really prevent them from looking at or going after either of those players. Um, but I would say starting pitching is probably an area that, you know, they're looking to fill, although the market for starters isn't all that great. And I know that they met with Burley, and he's got ties to Ozzie Gian, who's now there. Um, but he's he's a big Midwestern guy. I mean, it seems to me, from what I know and have heard about him, that he is probably going to stay in the Midwest, although I don't see him really – I don't see him re-signing with the White Sox either, so I'm not sure he's going to end up in Florida, um, but I think it was a smart idea to meet with him uh, if you're the Marlins. In terms of other starting pitching free agents, I mean, as you mentioned, um, they met with Burley. They actually are pretty well stocked, at least in terms of the top end of their starting rotation. We don't know right. necessarily at this point what will happen with Javier Vasquez. 
um, who had probably, I mean, certainly one of the weirdest seasons in terms of performance that I recall, um, given my affection for drink, my memory is not that long. <laughs> However, at least in recent memory, uh, he's done, uh, he, did, he had a terrible first half and a rather excellent second half. We don't necessarily know what sort of pitcher he'll be in 2012 uh, if he decides to pitch. However, the other three names that are part of that rotation uh, belong to players who are, are good. Josh Johnson was injured for a lot of 2011, but when he's when he's pitching, he's probably one of the top ten starters in the league. Annabelle Sanchez had, I don't know, a, another breakout season, I guess, to sort of reach a new level this year. And Ricky Nolasco, while he typically fails to live up to his peripherals, still isn't bad as a number three starter. So if you figure that they sign a free agent starting pitcher, um, I mean, they could look at Burley. It seems as though either C.J. Wilson would be, you know, the next best option, or perhaps even better than Burley. Uh, and then perhaps Hiroki Kuroda, whose name I haven't heard thrown around that much. Uh, I, I think I've actually seen it linked to a Japanese team um, more than any uh, other major league teams. Um, but he actually has, a, at least on a you know sort of per inning basis, some of the best numbers too. Uh, I mean, would you see them sign anyone? Do you see them going after Wilson? Do you see them going after Kuroda? Do you see them going maybe after you, Darvish? Should Darvish get posted? You know, I haven't seen them linked to Wilson, although um, that would probably be a guy that they would look into, especially if they didn't get Vasquez back or if he decided to retire. Uh, Roy Oswalt's also on the market, although I don't know if I see... I think the problem is I don't... I can't see any of these guys signing with Florida because it hasn't happened in the past 13 years or so, so it's hard to imagine a guy taking the Marlins seriously. Um, but their strategy at this point seems to be to target all these guys to show, you know, that they're, they're going to finally make a splash. And I think even some of the fans are still kind of skeptical as to whether that's going to happen. But at this point, with the new ballpark and, uh, the new uniforms and the new name, it, it seems like they're really looking to make a big splash in free agency. So I, I think they'll look, I, I don't know about Darvish, but I think they'll look at the rest of the guys. And if they if they sign Vasquez and they're happy with their rotation, then I think they'll try to move their focus to Pujols or Fielder, although, again, it's hard to imagine them going there just because you would think they get a comparable offer from a more desirable team. Right. Um, that, that's sort of the, the biggest issue I wanted to address with you, uh, simply uh, if for no other reason than because you wrote that article uh, on the site today, the, the Miami Marlins will sign everyone, um, which is probably actually not legal or, or possible. But Yeah, I don't think they can do that. Not particularly accurate reporting, I guess, but that's what you come to expect from Chris Swick. And, um, a couple of just short things. The uh, Phillies have been linked to to Ryan Matson to a pretty large contract. At first blush, it seems absurd to sign a closer or any sort of relief pitcher, um, even if it is a closer, to a four-year, $44 million deal. However, um point was brought up by Eric Seidman, a Phillies fan and smart guy on our sort of internal message board, to the effect that, A, the, they, they're, they would be paying the rest of their bullpen almost nothing, um, and B, that the sort of marginal wins are much more important to the Phillies than they are to other teams because they're competitive. Um, do, you, do, you, do you see the Madsen signing or a potential Madsen or, in the, or maybe Papelbon signing as smart for the Phillies? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you side more with Sidemen or sort of more with conventional sabermetric 
wisdom that you can pick up those relief pitchers elsewhere. I definitely see Seidman's point, but at the price that you're getting these guys, it, the contract becomes a huge problem in a couple of years. And I know, um, I think you talked to Dave Cameron about this a couple of days ago, where he was, or maybe he, it was in one of his chats, uh, he was talking about... It's all a blur to you. Clearly, you've, right. been, you've been hooching it up a little bit, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah naturally. Um, but he mentioned, you know, for the Phillies, it doesn't matter because they're contending now, so the contracts, by the time the contracts become a problem, it, it's not going to matter. You know, flags fly, fly forever. You want to win in the next couple of years. Um, I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, the Manson contract, if if he was going to get four years, $44 million, that becomes an albatross in two to three years. And then you're also paying Ryan Howard. I mean, that contract hasn't even kicked in yet or technically just kicked in. Um, so while I understand, you know, marginal wins for them, going from 85 to 90 wins is a big deal because you're making the playoffs at that point. And this is, this is a team that wants to win now. At the same time, what, what are you doing in two to three years when you're paying these guys that are no longer effective? I sense that's a rhetorical question, um, so I won't yeah, answer it. I've been duped into that. Take a stab at it. I've been duped into that before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Swick, what? maybe the last question, maybe not. Who knows? Um, the Diamondbacks in the last three or four days have signed uh, John McDonald, backup, <laughs> backup infielder, have yes. signed Willie Blumquist to a two-year deal, and have also signed Chris Jokbauskas. I... Will pose to you this question: Are these the three signings that put them over the top? Go. Wow. Yeah. Didn't expect that. Wow uh, is the only answer. A lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that it, it probably doesn't put them over the top. Uh, they're probably more concerned with getting Stephen Drew healthy and so- sorting out their rotation after Ian Ian Kennedy and Daniel Hudson. Um, it, so, no, I don't think these signings put them over the top, although John McDonald does have a good reputation as an effective defensive infielder. Um, so he has some value coming into games later as a defensive replacement or maybe spelling Stephen Drew um, if he needs a couple days off early in the season because he's still recovering from his injury. Okay. Hey, that's really good stuff, Chris Swick. Is there anything, I try. Is there anything that you, uh, you care to address, anything that, that you feel like, we didn't, we didn't get to here? Um, no, I think you did a fine job, Carson. I try my best to do a fine job. Yeah, and it shows. Is the new form, uh, is it working for you? Do you have any, uh, do you have any um, constructive criticism, feedback? No, I like it. Um, it's, it's long enough that uh, you leave me wanting more, but it's short enough that I don't feel like I wasted a whole day listening to a podcast. Good, yeah. You don't want to waste your whole day doing the important, totally secretive things that you're doing. No, you've hit it on the head. Yeah. You've you found the, the secret sauce. Yeah, disgusting, what you just said. <laughs> what, um, who's your fi- who, do you, do you feel like you are beginning to know the writers when you hear them on the podcast? Is there anything? Because you haven't met, I don't think you've met Eno Saris. I don't think you've met most I've, of us. I've met no one. Yeah, you're just there. What? True. Uh, I haven't listened to Eno's yet. Um, no, but yeah, I, 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 do, listen to that. Um, I do get a sense for <laughs> the different writers. Does Dave Cameron sound precisely as you imagined him sounding? Yes. 
you don't mean that. You don't mean that. It's not like it's not. You don't mean that in an offensive way. Uh, no, no, no. He he sounds like a pleasant person. Yeah. What about Dane uh-huh. Perry? Dude, are you surprised by how much he hates his child <laughs> and his life? Is that? Well, yeah, pretty much. Yes, I was. I was a little taken back by how much he hates everything and everyone. Yeah. Well, he's a nihilist, including possibly you. I'm not. I don't. Oh, entirely possible. Yeah. He just. Yeah. He's just in it for the money. <laughs> yeah, and then Matt Clawson is just uh, an interesting person on his own. He's an interesting so. character. He 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 is um, his greatest fear is making a statement, a blanket <laughs> statement. He needs layer upon layer of of uh, caveat and uh, and prelude to to any statement he makes. I'm a little disappointed that we haven't had a cameo from whatever he. Was, used to drink during the podcast. Oh, right. That sort of beverage that we like hear uh, clinking about. Ice? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we can make that happen, I'm sure. That would be wonderful. All right, Chris Swick. I'm going to let you catch your plane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have fun you. in the city of Broad Shoulders, as Chicago is known to some people. That's what they say. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us, though. You are Chris Swick. Thanks, sir. Thank you. All right. That is Chris Swick. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you.